Happy We Met, Episode 6. This episode features David Goldman and Michael Cohen. Known for wearing their matching hats with a cannabis leaf on the front, David and Michael have been cannabis advocates for more than a decade. They lead the Brownie Mary Democratic Club of San Francisco, where David is the president and Michael is the secretary. Their advocacy has helped keep compassionate cannabis, increased access for medical patients, and made cannabis a real issue that San Francisco legislators acknowledge and take seriously. Check out a Brownie Mary Democratic Club meeting for yourself on the second Tuesday of every month. That's the plug, and this is Happy We Met. We are here in the backyard of David Goldman and Michael Cohen, the president and secretary, respectively, of the Brownie Mary Democratic Club, and two good friends of mine and mentors and people who I just love to spend time with, and we are sitting across from a table um, in these crazy times, far enough in the outdoors to feel safe, so I apologize for any background noise that you may hear, but, you know... You got to make make do. No sound no no soundproof spaces for recording podcasts these days. Um, so uh, I'd like to start. I'd love to hear just hi. Who are you? Say hello. And uh, maybe the first time you remember smoking cannabis in San Francisco. Okay. Um, greetings, everybody. My name is David Goldman. As Michael said, I am the president of a cannabis policy-oriented Democratic club. We're the Brown, we are the Brownie Mary Democratic Club of San Francisco. There are several Brownie Mary Democla Democratic Club chapters all over the state, and we're under the aegis of, quote, the organization BrownieMaryDemocrats.org. Nice. And we focus on cannabis policy. A lot of people might think that once they legalized cannabis in California, everything was perfect, prices were right, access was easy, quality was good. You could do it anywhere you wanted where smoking tobacco was allowed. And it turns out that a lot of those things didn't quite come down that way. We're facing high taxes in ca on cannabis retail, up to 59% in San Francisco. It's wild. 70% in San Jose. A combination of sales tax, excise tax, cultivation tax, testing fees. Then often local taxes are added, and that boosts it to as high as 70% in San Jose. We don't have employment protection. If you use cannabis on nights and weekends, whether you're a medical cannabis patient or just an adult consumer of cannabis, if they find out about it at work, they can fire you. Why? Because employment protection does not extend to cannabis consumption even if you do it on nights and weekends. Really? California is what we call an at-will state, which means that you can be fired from your job for any reason that's not covered by federal or state or local discrimination laws or what's written in your employment contract. And none of those things have employment protection in California. About cannabis. About cannabis consumption, unlike protection for medical cannabis patients in Arizona, Massachusetts. It's Interesting. State so this is a California issue. Where this is a California still issue. Be, so you can still be fired from your job for doing something that's completely legal. Um, when it's 100% your time off the clock. Right, and I'm not talking about coming to work high or doing your work impaired. I'm assuming that you're doing your job in the usual excellent fashion that your employers expect you to do. And we have tried several times to get employment discrimination protection for medical patients passed. 
Twice it was vetoed by the former uh, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then the third time it got stuck in the legislature and never made it to the governor's desk. Interesting. In public, it's illegal to use cannabis. I'm not saying people are getting busted, but it is a fine of $100 or $250, depending on where you do it. Many people live in buildings where no smoking of any sort is allowed. So if you can't do it in your home, and you can't do it outside except at a few consumption lounges, where you're supposed to do it with safety and comfort, know that you're not going to get a ticket. We are fortunate in San Francisco of having about eight consumption lounges where people can legally go and consume it. Once COVID is over, we'll go back to using them. But there are over 48,000 places where you can legally consume alcohol in a post-COVID world. And that's the difference. Yeah. I feel like you ended up answering a much better question, which is what are some of the things that, uh, you know, keep you motivated and issues that remain with with legal cannabis? Because that was a great list. So I think that uh, so now we'll we'll hear from Michael and, and Michael. So what would you say are some of the things that you think are, um, you know, still, you know, you can say a hello. And, and what are some things that you think still remain to be uh Improved. Hello, uh, <laughs> hello, everybody. M- my name is Michael Cohen, and um, I live here in San Francisco. My husband is David Goldman here, and we both have been very, actually quite active in the cannabis community for, for numerous years. We were with Americans for Safe Access, the San Francisco branch, for, for five years, and uh, we did a lot of good work did a lot of good work but there came a time when we we had some policy uh, 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 differences so it was it was time to move on now this was five five years ago we decided we wanted to get involved again with, with something that could we can make a small difference in something we really cared about because there's so much work to do in this so then we did we said well Brownie Mary came up and we went to the second meeting of the Brownie Mary Democratic Club at the uh, Barbary uh, uh, Coast uh, Dispensary. Wow, that was so And those were the days. That when was, fi- was that? That was five years ago. No, seven years ago. Seven years ago. Wow. So the time has gone by yeah. incredi- incredibly fast. And one of the things that gets me excited is to know uh, that we can take our knowledge and our information and, and to spread them. And what I want to do is I want to move to Key West, Florida, in a, you know, in a year or so, a year or so, year and a half max. <laughs> yeah, sooner but rather, counting. sooner rather than later. <laughs> and I want to spread, I want to spread the cannabis movement to Key West. It's really Love ripe. It. It's really a ripe community, and the people there have not had the opportunity like we have here in San Francisco for the for the cannabis movement to 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 mature. Yeah. And because it's been a struggle. I'm sure. It's been a real struggle here. We've had a lot of downs, but we've had a lot of wins. Yeah. And um. We want we want that to continue. What are some of what you would consider the biggest wins that you've seen? Is I mean, more than a decade of activism in cannabis. You can yeah. Just the number of dispensaries that we have is is a testimonial to it. We helped a lot of these dispensaries along to get to where they are today, with with the planning commission and appearing and do and doing personal, um, uh, uh, um, uh, speak up for them. Love it. Dispensaries improve neighborhoods. Yeah. We are not bad people. People who use cannabis are not bad people. And it's it's the stigma and the fear. Those are the, the two really main issues that we face. Yeah. We face all the time. Even here in San Francisco, 
even here in San Francisco, uh, a re, you know, a, a liberal city. Yeah. What? Um, so you mentioned you went yeah. to the second ever Brownie Mary. So you missed the first one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We forgive you. You've you've well, been to many since it seems. It was the uh, the Helen Ann's were involved. In the, in the I don't. In, in I'm the not first, familiar the with the Hallinan. In, in the first Brownie Mary, Brendan Hallinan. Okay. Yeah, Vincent's son. Okay. And he was there, and he. You know, we heard about it, and we went. We were just, and that was it. That was it. There were about fifteen, well, fifteen people there at the f- very first meeting. Love that. It was an. It was an area of the of the dispensary now that has been modernized and upgraded. Yeah. Yeah, and it's now part of the lounge. Yeah. Yeah. And which is a which is a fabulous place. It's amazing. I love the lounge at Barbary Coast. Yeah. I would hang out there. Yeah. I mean, in on a in a pre-COVID world on a on a Friday night instead of going to a bar. It was like one of my favorite things to do. Was just go and buy an eighth or buy a gram and roll it up and hang out in the lounge. You feel so like for lack of a better term, just baller. <laughs> it's just like the big yes. swanky chairs and That's they have what I'd great like to flower selection. Um, oh, my s- gosh. I'd a Barbary Coast in, in Key, Key West. West would be amazing. We have a lot of tourism in Key West. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the city of so Key West is only 25,000 people, so it's a town, really. Yeah. But it swells to many times that with all the events during the year. I love it. Okay, so I, I, I want I to touch on <laughs> Key West, but I also I want to talk a little bit about the roots. And so at some point, a couple years, so you've been president for five years, David? I became president about, I think, six months to a year after I joined in 2013. Came in hot. <laughs> I, I first became vice president, and then I became president. I think, well, I think in about nine months or so. Okay. I went from first being vice president to president because Brendan Hallinan, who's a cannabis-oriented attorney, had a lot of I work do to do, name. and he didn't have the time to work on the organization properly. Yeah. Okay. And I enjoyed doing the work, and I like working with the Democratic Party because many Democratic Party officials, like a lot of people, think. Once we legalize it, it's all perfect. And once they realize that they may have to vote on issues about whether dispensaries go into a certain neighborhood or whether certain areas are blocked from having any cannabis retail entities or cannabis businesses of any sort, it becomes nuanced. And the devil's in the details. We want sensible regulation, not burdensome regulation. We want employment protection. We want lower prices so that the legitimate market is not overtaken by the illicit underground market where the medicine isn't tested. We want people to be sure that when they get their medicine, it's potent and it's tested so it's safe and clean. Yep. And we want to keep prices low like they did in Oregon to encourage the illicit market, the legitimate market, the above ground market, the regulated market. Yep. What Oregon did was very sensible. They lowered their tax rates to two levels, zero for medical patients. So if you're a recognized certified medical cannabis patient in Oregon, you pay no taxes at all. If you're an adult consumer, you pay between 17 and 20%, no lower than 17, no higher than 20. When they did that, when those two tax structures were put in place, the demand for the legal regulated cannabis rose by 1,500%, 15 times. Wow. I didn't know that. They did it the right way. Sounds like it. 
I think, and everything you just said is very reasonable. <laughs> and, you, you know, I don't think you just listed a long list of irrational demands or, um, you know, I think it's, it's very reasonable to want to get the industry off the ground. And so, um, you know, how do you feel like the club or your position within the club helps you kind of leverage, uh, you know, how do you, how do you communicate uh, these, these issues? We go to the planning commission and speak, speak out on behalf of dispensaries because often there's opposition. We work with politicians to urge them to vote against carve-outs where, for example, the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco in July of 2018 voted 8-3 to three and the mayor signed the ordinance banning all cannabis businesses of any sort from Chinatown. Hmm. And in January, they voted to ban all cannabis retailing from a little industrial triangle section of District 10 Bayview. Okay. And that means that only retail cannabis stores cannot be there. They can still allow cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, and testing labs. But they wanted all retailing out of the area. Hmm. And that was voted 10 to 1. Right. Now, I don't like carve outs in general. That carve-out doesn't bother me as much as the one in Chinatown because it says that because the community was prejudiced against cannabis businesses with no valid basis, the Board of Supervisors all caved, eight to three, and said, okay, if you're prejudiced against cannabis businesses, then that's fine with us. Now, what if it had been African-American businesses or gay bars? Right. Would the Board of Supervisors been so eager to go along with it? Sure. And what needs to be said is that cannabis businesses do not do harm to neighborhoods. David Downs did a study of all the different studies done on dispensaries to see whether they increased crime, lowered property values, or encouraged young people, teen drug misuse of cannabis. And it turns out that none of those things are true. When you look at the actual data, you discover that in Colorado, for example, when dispensaries went in, property values went up. Crime rates went down, hmm. not just in Colorado, but in Los Angeles. What happens is when you put a dispensary in place, you have more traffic, people going there, cars going there. You have security, you have cameras, you have people often outside as security guards. What they found is that when dispensaries close, crime rates go up. Right. And... The third thing was, did it encourage teen abuse? No. There was no evidence that cannabis consumers, whether they are medical patients or adult consumers, were giving away cannabis or selling it to minors or smoking in alleyways nearby the dispensary or even double parking. Right. Cannabis consumers are just like everyone else, and we behave just as well as everyone else. And in fact, there's actual data that shows that crime rates around dispensaries are really low compared to other businesses like banks. I'm sure. Bars. I'm sure. And you're saying, you know, like, I even think, you know, what, what came to mind when you said, um, uh, you know, cannabis consumers are, are just like anyone else. I think, if anything, we're more aware. You know, one thing I, uh, I remember a friend of mine told me is that uh, you should only be um, breaking one law at once. If, you ever, if you're ever breaking the law, break one law at once. And so, you know, I personally, especially when there is stigma surrounding cannabis, you know, I, I would hate to double park my car if I had cannabis, or I would hate to break another law or, or cause any sort of alarm. I think that if anything, cannabis consumers are 
a vast majority more aware of their surroundings and their presence and their impact because it is so stigmatized and people almost, you know, want to add a positive footprint or at least not a negative footprint um, due to, you know, their consumption of cannabis. That's how I feel, at least a little. I used to work at the Green Cross in intake, processing new medical cannabis patients and then later adult consumers. And what I can tell you is that when a guy left the dispensary and was driving off and threw trash in the street, we took down his license plate, looked him up, and he was 86 and couldn't come back in. Wow, I love that. I, yeah, I, yeah, you know, people in Canvas are very righteous yeah. and, and stand, for, stand for things that matter. And, um, you know, I just, I really love, I really do feel like in general, people in cannabis are just very committed. And I mean, obviously the two of you who always are seen wearing a cannabis leaf uh, ball cap, for those of you who have not seen uh, David and Michael in the wild, um, it is near impossible to find them in their amazing matching cannabis hats. So, you know, Michael, I'm curious kind of for you, what made you, because uh, we're surrounded by so many of your beautiful succulents, and I know you were a gardener for so long, and I'm curious what kind of helped you or motivated you or transitioned you into cannabis activists and having this be such a strong uh, part of your life. Well, I have a real, a real fascination with, with plants and botany. As a kid growing up, I did in the, in the Midwest. And I came to California, went back to school, got another degree in, in horticulture, and wanted, and wanted to do some gardening. And then I got, I got HIV AIDS many years later in San Francisco, and, and I got sick, and I, I used cannabis. And I, can use, I used cannabis for shingles, which I've had several times. Well, and as people, as you get older in life, <clears throat> I have learned things happen. And health problems and issues, everybody is going to get something. And I realized that then that cannabis could, could really be important for me in just how I live my life. And I must tell you, I, I do a tincture. David and I, both of us, do, do a tincture. And it, doing a tincture and doing some additional CBD, uh, uh, another 10 milligrams of CBD uh, to, in every day? to the tincture, doing it every day, doing it long term, has really kept us in good health. I mean, this is this is going to be a story. I think that that is going to, you know, I, I see cannabis as being like the penicillin. Sure, it's going to be recognized as 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 what penicillin did for humankind. But that's going to take some time. That's going to take some time. But we're we're well on our way to it, and I I know I am definitely on my way to it, and David is too. So we're we're very fortunate. We're getting up and you know, getting older. And but we do we do these every day, and we don't get sick. We just don't get sick. I love it. I I had a cold a few years ago. Other than that, <coughs> that's it. That's it. So uh, cannabis. And you stay active. Cannabis, it's not like you're reclused in your home. I mean, obviously with, yes. with COVID, you we're know, we're sheltering active. in place. But the two of you are in the community all the time. It's yeah. not like you. It's important. Yeah, and so maintaining health the while maintaining community can be very difficult. The cannabis community of the Bay Area is one is just an incredible, 
incredible place in Oakland and East Bay. We've met we've, we've met other cannabis uh, cannabis activists over many years, and they are just inc they're, they're normal people. Cannabis is mainstream now, yeah. so so you can meet all kinds you can meet all kinds of people out there. Yeah. Totally. I mean, yeah. of course. That's. I think that's some of the best thing about cannabis is that we're, the we're diversity and eclectic group that that the the overlappingness. It's like it can be the biggest Venn diagram ever. Yeah. And so long as at the center of that Venn diagram is a little pot leaf, like what you got on your hat, um, we all get along, <laughs> no matter what else is going on. There's that one little overlap in the Venn diagram yeah. that brings, brings everyone us, together. It brings us all together. Yeah. It brings us all together. Cannabis is a social herb. It totally. It's meant to be social. People are meant to be social. I mean, this, this pandemic now, I think people realize who use cannabis, how important cannabis is to their life. Absolutely. During a pandemic, it's essential. Yeah. It's essential. And Absolutely. I think, I, think, I think for many people, they, they now get it. They realize that. And because especially when you're, you know, we have such a, we have such a drinking culture, too. Um, that is just so toxic where like getting drunk yeah. is literally like yeah. poisoning your brain whereas getting high is like just infusing it with these cannabinoids that make you think and feel things yeah. a certain way yeah. and it's just such a different like I don't know biological experience if we're if because I feel like people love to consume compare alcohol and cannabis as like similar like substances but it's just I just think they're so such different avenues and outlets for people and i think that being you know secluded and 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 just like needing healing mm -hmm. cannabis has really has really come strong uh during covid so i agree i think you know i i, I loved that penicillin um comparison and you know i think that we are progressing uh, a lot very quickly and so you know just with that it obviously does take time so i'm just kind of curious from either of you what are uh, some of the things that you would consider some of the biggest wins you said that you said the dispensaries but maybe like of the club because you know you've been leading the club for five years and change and um you know what what do you consider where you know the brownie mary democratic club really helped accomplish you know these things i think we've made <coughs> excuse me many of the politicians in the city aware of cannabis issues in ways they hadn't thought of before. Nice. We discuss issues with them and give them a different perspective. We ran the campaign against Prop D, which raised taxes on medical cannabis and adult use cannabis up to 11%. That will go into effect in 2021. And Supervisor Mandelman, representing this neighborhood, District 8, has agreed to carry legislation to delay its implementation for a year. And it's at the city attorney's office being drafted. And once he gets it back, he will introduce it. And hopefully the Board of Supervisors will understand that during this COVID crisis, adding an additional tax to dispensaries in the form of raising gross receipts tax to the highest rates of any business in the city, higher than any other type of business, regardless of how much they make. It's so silly. It will only encourage more black market sales excuse me unregulated market sales yeah and me and that means that people are getting untested in my view generally poor quality cannabis yeah not categorically you can't of course there's sure. some yeah the but, but i can say one of the great wins we've had is that education and I the love politicians that. are taking the cannabis community seriously enough to come to our meetings yeah and solicit our endorsement they do and we 
educate them. And a lot of them say, I didn't really understand all these issues before. Yeah. Like zoning issues. Yeah. Or tax issues. Yeah. All we want the industry to thrive. We want there to be as many shops as the market can bear comfortably so that they all can make a decent amount of money. Yep. And I'm thrilled with the number of quality products and the diversity of products, especially those that use not just THC, but use CBD, CBN, mm -hmm. CBG, THCV. All these different cannabinoids have potent medical value, as well as THC, mm -hmm. which is a known cancer suppressor. Right. Research being done in Israel on medical cannabis is astounding. In a country with very few medical cannabis patients, they've done tremendous amount of research. I'm very interested to hear. For example, Dr. David Mieri from Israel okay. has found that the front line, meaning the preferred treatment for prostate cancer that men can suffer from, is THCA. THCA is the raw plant version of THC. If you take raw plant and extract THCA and ingest it in high doses, it suppresses prostate cancer. And it's non-psychotropic, you don't get high from it. It's well tolerated, even in high doses. And there are virtually no side effects, not even diarrhea from taking a high dose. Interesting. Many products you take or drugs you take at high dose create diarrhea. THCA doesn't even do that. And you don't get high from it. Right. So it's a benign medicine with virtually no side effects, and it's the number one treatment for men's prostate cancer. Huh. Love that. I can't wait till people get prescribed that. CBG, cannabigerol has been shown to be a potent anxiolytic, meaning it fights anxiety. And I've recently had the opportunity to try a strain of high CBG, no THC cannabis, and you get a mild euphoric buzz, tremendous anxiety relief, and you stay clear and focused so you can work normally. Amazing. So there are all kinds of cannabis. Cannabis that gets you high, which is a good thing, makes you feel better. Yeah. There's cannabis that doesn't make you high. Yeah. And there are lots of people who are looking for that, especially people in my demographic, people over 60. Yeah. And we have topicals for them that don't get them high. Yep. We have CBD-rich products that don't get them high but give them anti-inflammation and pain relief. Sure. We know lots of people throughout the country who just are thrilled that they can get legal CBD products. Yeah, and I would not buy the CBD you get at Whole Foods or at Walgreens or the gas station. I agree. If you haven't gotten it from a dispensary where it's been thoroughly tested, it may be totally bogus. I agree. Unless it comes from a medical cannabis dispensary in California, your CBD product could be bogus. I know it. And so, and that's why this testing is so important. But like you said, pricing is a big reason people stay away from the legal market. And that's why I think, you know, I guess, uh, you know, just one last thing to kind of touch on is I do want to hear a little bit about how the uh, Brownie Mary Democratic Club uh, compassion program is going and if you can uh, kind of touch on that and what led to its creation and what your goals are with it and uh, yeah so just kind of about the compassion aspect of the club well thank thankfully we got the legislation passed uh, this last year the Senate bill was at 30 34 34 and that passed the legislature and was signed 
by Gavin Newsom. And that will now, that bill will allow us to continue our compassion program. And we're, we're pleased, really pleased to do this. We, we have a group of about, there's about 25 uh, uh, individuals that have HIV disease or, and uh, chronic disease, and some have had AIDS, uh, full-blown AIDS. And uh, that compassion program makes sure that these people have access to what they medically need uh, for their lives. And that way, that way they can, they can spend this money that they would usually go take to a dispensary and buy, and they can t take that money and put it towards their food, their clothing, and um, their housing, yeah, their housing expense, which is you know a lot. So, are you um, are you currently looking for more donations, if if possible? Is yes, it, yes. We and how does that how does that work? Well, uh, let me, David, you want to explain how? I'll explain how it works. It? We work generally through a distributor, Philly Green, and the California Street Cannabis Company. And if people want to make donations through them. We can then take the donations and give them to our clients, 25 HIV-infected um, folks with low incomes. We don't want them to have to choose between getting cannabis medicine and paying their rent or buying the food they need. We want to take the cannabis issue out of the equation so they can focus what little money they have on getting the things they need. Amen. And I love that. You don't deny poor people or low-income people penicillin. So if people need medical cannabis, and for many of these people, it's vital because the prescription drug alternatives do not work right. or suboptimal, and you want to use the best outcome, Absolutely. not just an average outcome or yep. a suboptimal outcome. Yep. And we want to make sure that these people are taken care of. They're all medical patients, and so we have paperwork and... If people want to work with Filigreen okay. and the California Street Cannabis Company, that's the dispensary of California and Hyde. Okay, shout out to both for helping make this right. happen. And I also want to give a shout out to Ease. Ease gave us a very generous donation. Love it. That we're still working our way through. Love that. And we have cartridges, flour, topical, even RSO, Rick Simpson oil, the Love highly it. concentrated yeah. cannabis oil very medical, for cancer treatment. Very medicinal, yeah. And we're thrilled that we can help people because cannabis gives joy in people's lives as it helps them medically. Amen. That's, to me, it's the wonderful thing about just smoking a rich THC cannabis product. I feel better, and I know it's helping me medically. I would tell people radically what Dennis Perone used to say, that all use of cannabis is medical. Amen. You may be using it just for enjoyment, and that's perfectly fine. But it's also helping you medically. Yeah. And I think most people believe that. They see the duality in it. It's like eating healthy food or exercising. It feels good to do, and it's good for you. Cannabis feels good to use and enjoy, and it's good for you. Those are two good things. They can go together. It's not a problem. Preach. Oh. Well, right on. Well, um, I, uh, you know, if there's anything else that's lingering uh, that you feel need to share, you know, feel free. But otherwise, I really appreciate um, our meetings. Um, oh, our, our of Brownie, course, our Brownie Mary Democratic Recruiting. Club meetings on it, on the uh, on this coming Wednesday. September but in general, 9th, the, at six fifteen, the PM. second Tuesday yeah. of uh, of every month. 
Second Wednesday. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. That was recorded. I'm forever, I'm forever (laughs) going to have that. Oh no. Second Wednesday of every month at 6:15 p.m. That's right. Led by Zoom these days. Led by Zoom these days. And and this month we're going to have, we're going to talk about the propositions. Wow. All the we're going to make some endorsements on propositions. So I invite everybody to. uh, come to Zoom. We'll come to <laughs> Zoom, and it, it's a great medium. It works. Great. And if people want to find out how they can join us on our Zoom meeting this coming Wednesday, September 9th at six fifteen p.m., send an email to brownie.marysf at gmail.com. Brownie.marys as in Sam, f as in Frank at gmail.com love it well right on thank you both for your time i'm very happy we met and uh yeah this was super fun appreciate you both thank you for listening if you enjoyed this conversation please subscribe on spotify or apple music you can also stay up to date by following on instagram at happy we met for more information about the awesome people featured on this podcast, visit happywemet.com to learn more about them and find their contact information. Your time is appreciated. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Happy We Met.